Uh, I'm excited to wrap up our series today, one. And uh, what we're going to be, our topic, our subject, uh, this morning is called Fault Lines. It's called Fault Lines. So it's great to have you. And throughout this series, what we've been doing is we've been looking at what it means to be a community of one. A community that is united around Jesus. So I want to give you a brief recap because maybe you've missed uh, the last two Sundays, the first week we covered that you are a masterpiece and that we should live up to that, that God has created us uh, with that value. And if we're going to be a community of one, it is important for us to recognize who we are and it's important for us to recognize the value of those around us that, yes, I am a masterpiece, but my neighbor is a masterpiece also. Amen. And the good news is that the world is drawn to that kind of love in action. So it's not just about telling people that we love them, but it's about showing them that we love them. And when we, when we think and when we understand, should I say, the, the reality that my neighbor is a masterpiece, I'm going to treat them in that way. And, and Jesus said, in this they will know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. So it is so important for us as the church of Jesus to be able to show that love to whoever we encounter outside of these four walls. And week two, uh, last week we covered that when we're all together, we are greater than the sum of our parts. So we understand that we all have different gifts. We, all, we understand that we all have different abilities, different passions, and different desires. We have different interests, and it is about using that to be able to reflect Jesus back to the world that is around us and that when we come together as a community each of us doing our part we are greater than just one part alone when we all come together and we all plug in and we all do what we have been called to do when we all function and work in our passion and our desire it is at that moment that we are able to be an unstoppable force for Jesus that he would be exalted um, and that we would glorify him through that. So that is a recap of week one and week two. And today what I want to talk to you about is what could be perceived as the biggest roadblock that, that stands in the way of us as believers to be a community of one. The biggest roadblock that stands in the way. So I'll segue into that by this. I'll ask this question. Have you ever had your favorite band break up? Have you ever had your favorite band break up? The Beatles, for you 60s music lovers. Led Zeppelin, or The Who, or The Eagles, for you 70 music lovers. For those of you from the 80s, Guns N' Roses. The Police, maybe? <laughs> we have some claps over here on this side. Or for the 90s, how about when the Backstreet Boys broke up? You remember that? Some of you... Some of the younger crowd is like, who in the world are they talking about? Well, for you millennials, how about One Direction or, or the Jonas Brothers? It's encouraging and it's disappointing, isn't it, when you think of that? And I want to make a connection between that and what I'm going to talk about today. Now, some of those bands, we know they did get back together. They did make music again, but rarely it's as good as it was the first time around. And, and you, while you can make those connections, let me, let me go a little bit deeper. Far more serious than your favorite band breaking up. 
You've seen relationships come apart in your life. You've experienced the hurt of your parents' divorce, of your children's divorce, of your divorce, of friendships ending, of siblings not getting along and fighting over maybe a parent's inheritance, families that have been fractured over things that really shouldn't matter, or people that are divided when it comes to political and ideological uh, divides that just try to, to create a wedge in between us. We've all seen it, we've lived it, and we hate it when things that we have grown to love, when things that we have been accustomed to, when things that have been our surrounding, things that we depend on, things that we thought would last forever, begin to fall apart. And often we're stuck in the middle of it. Often we are stuck in the middle of it and we feel like those institutions, that relationship or whatever that is, that it just came crashing down all of a sudden. It seems like just out of the blue, the relationship just crumbled. It just fell apart and we can't figure out why. We can't figure out why. But I dare to tell you that those seismic events in life that rip apart your favorite band, or even more important, that rip apart a relationship. Those seismic events that leave a mark on our lives, and in many cases leave us with the painful scars of yesterday, those events that take place are rarely sudden. It's a slow fade. It's a slow fade. Almost always there have been fault lines that are below the surface for some time. The Beatles didn't break up overnight. There was a lot of frustration and tension and animosity and just the craziness of being the, the largest band in the world it finally just came to surface. Your parents' divorce or your divorce wasn't as sudden as it felt. There were issues that were below the surface for a long time that were never really addressed. The falling out that you had with your brother or your aunt or your parents or whoever, if we're honest and if we can look at the situation today, we can see that the things that were going on, the little hurts were there and the wounds were there, and the things that were said or the things that were left unsaid were there. And over time, the fault lines that were underneath on the foundation of that relationship, of that family, all of a sudden they ruptured, and we see the result of it. So what is a fault line? In geological terms, a fault line is a fracture along which the crust has moved, and then you see what are known as seismic waves that are generated with two sides of the fault rapidly, when they rapidly slip past each other. And for most earthquakes that take place, the fault lines can be seen only through analyzing what is known as the seismic waves that are underneath the surface. So there's two things that I want us to, to connect here this morning. There's two things that I want us to take note of right here. The first thing is that fault lines are often invisible. 
because I can come to church and I can portray that everything is okay, but there's a fault line taking place on the bottom. And maybe it's not a relationship. Maybe it's inside within yourself, something that is just hurting you and something that is just eating away at you. Fault lines are often invisible until the earthquake strikes and everything begins to fall apart. The second thing is this, that fault lines can be hard to see, but undoubtedly they're there and they're dangerous. And so you may be asking this morning, what does this have anything to do with being a community of one? I want to tell you that it has everything to do with becoming and with staying a community because we can get there, but can we be able to hold that? It is one thing to reach it, but it's another thing to maintain it. You can lose 20 pounds by eating grass, absolutely, but it's hard to maintain it. It's hard to maintain it. You can buy a vehicle and sign on the dotted line, but the maintenance is making the payments every month. It's one thing to get it, it's another thing to maintain it. It has everything to do with living in a community as one. What I want us to understand is that fault lines happen because we are broken people and we are imperfect people who do life with other broken people and who do life with other imperfect people. And this happens, yes, even in church. In fact, these fault lines that I'm referring to this morning are the single, are the single biggest reason why churches, yeah, it, the small C, the lowercase C, and the church, the capital C, the big C, in North America are failing to have the impact that we are called to have because these fault lines are the single biggest reason that the church in America fails to live as a community of one. One of the reasons why is that the church appears to be defeated is because we are divided. We are divided, or to put it another way, a divided church is a defeated church. And we have to confront it, we have to bring it to surface, understand it for what it is, and be able to come against it in the name of Jesus. And the church said amen. A divided church is a defeated church, that, because we have to understand that, that our enemy doesn't give up easy. That he will sow seeds of discord amongst us uh, to try to divide us and to try to, to tear us apart and to put a wedge in between us. But, but I want to bring that to surface today and take authority over it in the name of Jesus. Because we have to be very intentional as a body of believers about preventing future fault lines that could happen. And we have to be cognizant or aware of the fact of healing the current fault lines uh, that are in our churches. We must be intentional about healing. We must be intentional about preventing fault lines from forming in our lives. But I've got good news for you. The Apostle Paul addresses this very thing in the letter that we know as a, to a community of followers that are found in the city of Ephesus. Ephesians is a letter to the community of, of the followers of Jesus that, that are made up of both Jews and they're made up of Gentiles alike. These two groups, they were natural enemies 
It didn't take a whole lot. Jews looked down on the Gentiles. The Gentiles didn't have the law. They, they worshiped multiple pagan gods. They practiced all kinds of sexual immorality. They lived wild lives, drunkenness, lying to get ahead in business, cheating, others, anger, brawling, gossiping, slandering, you, you name it, it was there. And on the other hand, the Gentiles felt that the Jews were the issue. They were uneducated, with no, no sophistication. They were, they, they were viewed by the Gentiles as weak, as conquered, as complaining people who were arrogant, distasteful, and largely unlikable. The Jews were standoffish and didn't accept or even like other groups. Plus they had some weird religious ideas and they were very judgmental. But amazingly, in the city of Ephesus, you have these two people sitting in the room. And through Christ, these two groups that are opposites, that are com they have completely different mindsets, come together and they are now following Jesus, the one true king. And much of the letter to this community of Jesus' followers is aimed at telling the Jews that Jesus called the Gentiles to be a part of the family of God and telling the Gentiles that they have been adopted into that family. And Paul also spends a good part of that letter telling them both that being part of the family means that you can't live like you did before. It means that you can't act like you did before. It means that, that we have to have a new mindset and we have to have a new perspective and that we can't bring our, our, our ideas and our thoughts for the previous life into our new life. He is saying if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, you must come together as a community of one. You must come together as a community of one. And that's the awesome part of us here today, that there's different cultures, that, that there's different races, that there's different socioeconomics. As, but none of that matters. What matters is that we are all bought with the same blood. Hallelujah. I'm grateful for that today, that, that our past is forgiven. Amen. Uh, that it is no more that, behold, we are new creatures, that the old is gone away and all things are made new. I'm grateful for the start that we have in Jesus. Uh, it doesn't matter what your last name is. It doesn't matter what your skin color is. Uh, what matters is that Jesus is the king of our lives uh, and that while we come from different backgrounds, uh, what brings us here together is Jesus. Uh, and when we understand that and when we capture that, we will become the most unstoppable force in this world. God is in us, but we have to understand that we have fault lines. I have fault lines that I have to keep in check, that I have to know where they're at and be able to identify them. Because I'm responsible for myself. You're responsible for yourself. I can't stop you from getting to heaven, and your neighbor can't stop you from getting to heaven. The person in the mirror can stop you from getting to heaven. I'm here to, I'm here to, to care for you, and I will do my very best and, and provide you with the tools and the resources and the direction, but you're only with us here for a few hours. So if we're going to be a follower of Jesus, coming together as a community of one is important. This is what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4. 
as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life that's worthy of your calling. I'm a, I'm a masterpiece. I'm, yes, I'm broken. I'm imperfect. But what has Jesus identified me as? I, I am a masterpiece. You are a masterpiece. I have to live a life that's worthy of that calling. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing one another in love. I have to ask myself, am I doing this? You have to ask yourself, are you doing this? Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit. And just as you were called to one hope, when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. That's awesome right there. Paul writes this letter from a jail cell. He's in prison because of his commitment to Jesus and as a prisoner for living a life that is modeled after Jesus. As rooted in his faith in Jesus, Paul is calling these two different groups that may have animosity and may have some differences in between them. They both have faith in Jesus. They both want to live like Jesus. And Paul is calling them to heal the fault lines in their community. It's almost as if Paul is saying, if I can go to prison because of my faith in Jesus and, and for my life of imitating Jesus that is radically different from the world around us, then, then you can surely work to heal the natural fault lines to become and to protect the community of one. Some further notes of, of this Ephesians passage, Paul says, I urge you. This is not a small request. He, no suggestion made in this passage. He's not saying if you, if you want to, if you think about it, if you feel like it. He's saying, I urge you. I'm begging you. I, it's, it's almost like if he's demanding, he's saying, live a life that's worthy of your calling. You're a masterpiece. Live up to, to the value that is on the inside of you. And then he says, make every effort to keep unity. Some translations say eager to keep the unity. Are you eager to keep the unity? So the question is, how do we make this happen? How do we make every effort to keep our unity? The Bible outlines and says humility, that we would consider others before ourselves. We understand the Bible says gentleness, kindness, consideration, meekness, not forcing your will, your opinion, your desires upon others, but to be patient Long-suffering, slowness, slowness in avenging words and in avenging wrongs, but that we're supposed to be bearing with one another, to be compassionate, to help carry one another's burdens. And the Bible tells us to do all of this out of love. So the question is, if you want to heal the current fault lines and to prevent future ones, then we have to be intentional. You have to do the work. We have to do the work of being humble, of being gentle, of being patient, of being bearing of each other's burdens, or to put it in another way to prevent fault lines uh, that can happen in relationships. Uh, we must be in intentional about building the unity 
We have to be intentional about what we're working for. And that's the point to, that I want to drive home this morning, that to prevent fault lines in our relationships, we must be intentional about building unity. I want all of us in this place and everybody that may be watching online to get this today, to prevent those fault lines that, that want to occur, to prevent them from coming to surface. We must be intentional about building the unity. I have to be intentional about what I'm doing so how? How do we come intentional about building unity? How do I build unity on a personal level? I consider others before myself. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 3 through 4 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Remember a few weeks ago we said, do nothing out of selfish ambition. Do nothing out of vain conceit. Instead of asking, what do I want? Can I be asking, what do, what do I need to do? How can I help? In addition to that, the ability to practice forgiveness and to practice reconciliation. One of the reasons we feel like and we see disunity in churches, in our families, in our workplaces, in our social and political interactions. Think about social media for just a minute. You can all go to one instance where somebody was just going back and forth with each other. And in our churches, why this is taking place is that most Christians are worldly. What does that mean? We don't live different from the world. We're fighting with people. We live like the world. We truly don't live like Christ, completely sold out to Christ. And rather than graciously forgiving one another, we have a tendency to point out how we've been wronged and insist those who have wronged us to come and make it right. But Paul tells us later in Ephesians chapter 4, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. That's good right there. Just as Christ, God forgave you. When you're wronged, when you're hurt, when you're neglected, we are called to forgive just as Christ has forgiven us. And he has forgiven us completely. Not when they say sorry. Not when they deserve it. Not when they feel bad enough. Not when they make up for it and not saying that what they did to you was right. Absolutely not. But we are to forgive fully because Christ has forgiven us fully. And we're to seek reconciliation with others. So here's the difference. Forgiveness is this. I'm almost done. Forgiveness is this. I'm not going to hold this against you. There's people in our lives that we just need to forgive. They may have passed away, but there's forgiveness. It, unforgiveness is eating away at some of us. And we have to forgive. 
to say, I'm not going to hold it against you. But reconciliation is this. It's I'm going to work to restore the broken relationship. And maybe in your life, and maybe in your families, and maybe with us as a church family together collectively, there's some reconciliation that needs to take place. One way to step in the right direction and to stay in that step is to stay in tune with the Holy Spirit. He is your helper. If you want to be in unity with the people around you, if you want to be in unity with your family and your neighbors and your church community, then we need to stay we need to stay in tune with the Holy Spirit. Paul says this in Galatians chapter 5. So I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. When we walk by the Spirit and when we stay in tune with the Spirit, it is so much easier to be in unity with those around us. Because gratifying the desires of the flesh, insisting on having our own way, being worried about my expectations, focusing on my rights and assuming that I should get to express myself, that is how fault lines begin to form. But when we're in tune with the Holy Spirit, we can achieve unity. But when we're in tune with the Holy Spirit, we can achieve unity. So how do I know if I'm in tune with the Holy Spirit? How do I know if I am walking in the Spirit? Paul tells us what it looks like. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Am I loving those around me? Am I exhibiting love? Am I showing love? It's love, it's joy, it's peace, it's forbearance, it's kindness, it's goodness, it's faithfulness, it's gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. If I am in tune with the Spirit, that is what my life looks like. And you know, the awesome thing about this is that if your life, if my life, if our lives don't look like that, it, we can make a change today. That God is so, uh, so incredibly awesome that, that he reminds us in his word that he says, you know what, there may be some things that I need to adjust. There's, there may be some things that I need to, I, I, may, be, I may need a spiritual tune-up, but I can, I can make some changes today to be able to live how, how he has called me to live. When you're in tune with the Spirit, that's what your life looks like. When you're in tune with the Spirit, that's what your life looks like. You're not going to be grouchy all the time. Notice how I said all the time. It happens sometimes. Catch some of you in the morning without any coffee. It happens more often than not. But when you're in tune with the Spirit and your life looks like love, joy, peace, for forbearance, kindness, gentleness, goodness, all of these things, self-control, then finding unity and building unity is just a natural consequence of this. 
Can I tell you this morning that when we live this life, when I keep myself in check, and when you keep yourself in check, and your neighbor keeps yourself in check, it is so much easier for us to come together and say, you know what, I love you. I lo- you spilled coffee on me, it's okay. It's a, it's a waste of, of good, good stuff. But you know what, I still love you, and, and I'm still here for you. And, and, and for you to say, you know what, you didn't say hi to me, but it, it's okay. And for us to be able to get past the fault lines uh, that are trying to form in my life, uh, that, are, that are causing me to react in a way that I shouldn't be acting because God's word tells me how I need to live. God's word tells me how I need to live. I need to live a life of joy. I need to live a life of peace, of kindness, of goodness. Can I tell you that when I live this kind of life and that when you live this kind of life, uh, people are going to say, what is different about you? And I get a chance to step in and say, let me tell you about the God that I serve. Let me tell you about the God that saw me when nobody saw me. Let me tell you about the God that loved me when nobody loved me. Let me tell you about the God that when I was strung out and I was addicted and I was lost in a life of of just horrible stuff that was going on. Let me tell you about a God that stepped in and didn't hold it against me, but yet he loved me. And the life that I'm living today of love, of joy, of peace, of gentleness, of kindness, of forbearance. It's just a natural consequence of walking with Jesus. It's what happens when I'm in tune with the Spirit. Can we understand how many people, how many people's, how many people's lives can change just by coming into contact with you when I live this way? Can you imagine the harmony in, in the church? And the peace in the church that that as people come in and just say, they all love each other. It's just, we create together an environment that is welcoming. And more importantly, that is God-ordained. That's how I do it on an individual level and finally on a corporate level. It sounds great for you on the personal level. It sounds great for you in your relationships. Or with that person that is really hard to love at work. But you may be wondering, how does this apply to the church? So it happens on a personal level. It happens on a corporate level. I just told you. When you're focused on considering others first, I'll I'll end with this. You make a habit out of forgiveness, and when we make a habit out of reconciliation, it's really hard to be divided. It's really hard to be divided when we're living this kind of life. And it's really hard for fault lines to develop with your husband and with your wife. It's really hard for fault lines to develop with your coworker. It's really hard for fault lines to develop with the ministry workers in church. It's really hard for us to develop if each of us are doing our part. Can I tell you, half of us, this is not just for half of us, this is for all of us. Because I'm gonna tell you that our enemy, he's out to seek, he's out to kill, he's out to destroy. He wants to steal your joy. 
He wants to kill your peace. He wants to destroy your self-confidence. He wants to steal the harmony in your marriage. He wants to kill the hopes and the dreams that you have in God. He wants to destroy all of that. The Bible tells us that he is like a roaring lion, that he is seeking whom he may devour. And he's looking for fault lines. He's looking for fault lines, for me to hold grudges, for me to hold this resentment, for me to hold this bitterness in my, in my heart and in my life towards you and you towards me. He's looking for that because if those fault lines uh, just continue to form, then that, that's how you have earthquakes and that's how you have things in your life that just begin to crumble. But I want to sound the trumpet today and tell you there's fault lines that want to develop, but we can combat it in Jesus' name. It doesn't have to crumble in Jesus' name. It doesn't have to be destroyed in Jesus' name. It doesn't have to fall apart in Jesus' name. I'm telling you today that if we are aware that our enemy doesn't give up easy and that if he's coming towards us to try to build disunity in our church, that we can stand together arm in arm and say, you won't have us. You won't have us. The real insurance against fault lines is for us to focus on being in tune with the Holy Spirit. Because if we're all in tune with the Holy Spirit, we will all be in tune with each other. If we're all in tune with the Holy Spirit, we will all be in tune with each other. And that is how we become a community of one. That's how we get there. Over the past few weeks, we've talked about being one, about understanding our value, about contributing. We've talked about the inherent value that we have, that we are created in the image of God, that, that he didn't make any accidents. Uh, know that, that before we were formed in our mother's womb, that he knew us, that while our parents may have made us, God formed us uh, way before that, that I didn't arrive here by accidents or coincidence, that God ordained it for me to be here today and he did the same for you. And we've talked about celebrating the blessed differences that we all have, uh, that we all can't do the same task, but that when you do your task and when I do my task, that is the differences that I'm talking about. I'm talking about holy differences, uh, that you can do things that I can't do and I can do things that you can't do, but it's okay that we are going to capitalize on each other's strengths and be able to move forward for Jesus. So as we wrap this up, it's important for us to contribute and for us to consider, what are my next steps? On a personal level, where do, we need, where do you need to start building unity? You do this by developing the habit of considering others, others' needs ahead of what you're wanting and asking. Ask the question, how can I help? Ask the question, what do they need? Maybe it's, do you need to go to someone and seek forgiveness? Or offer forgiveness? Where do you need to work to bring reconciliation 
Now the final question on a personal level is, are you in tune with the Holy Spirit? Are you pursuing love? Are you pursuing joy? Are you pursuing peace? Are you pursuing forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? Are you pursuing this? And then on a corporate level, together as a church, where can you build up and encourage unity in the church? Are you working? Am I working? Are we working to build unity here at the church? Are we praying and seeking to be in tune with the Holy Spirit? And finally, let's not miss out on the power and the benefit of coming together in fellowship and communion with other believers. I've told you, we need to get in a small group. Are we busy? Absolutely. But I'm going to tell you, we need people in our corner. We need people that support us, that encourage us, that challenge us. We need people that can tell us, you know what, I'm going to be praying for you. We need people that can tell us, are you really thinking this through? We need people in our lives that we just need to be devoted to meet together. The book of Acts chapter 2 verse 42 is an incredible example of this. These were people and groups who had immense differences, but yet still in the power of the Spirit and the bond of Christ, they were able to come together in their community, in their common faith. So let's make a commitment today to local fellowship. Let's make a commitment today to be devoted to Jesus, to be devoted to our church, and to be devoted to each other. How can we become a community of one united in Christ? If we are going to transform this world, then we must be united in our love for Christ and on our love for each other. Anything short of that is defeat. Be united together. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for your word and I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your Holy Spirit that is our comforter, that is our helper, that intercedes. God, I thank you for your presence in this place today. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for the privilege to be able to be gathered here together. God, I come against disunity. I come against discord. I come against unforgiveness. Whatever the situation may be, Lord, I come against every fault line that is developing, that has developed, that wants to grow. God, right now, We come against it in your name. Fault lines in my life. Things that I have, that I need to evaluate. Things that we need to look at. God, that you would not let those fault lines rupture. God, so some of us in this place today put a, make a decision to put an end to a habit some of us in this place make a decision to put an end to a vice some of us in this place are deciding today to put an end to all sin that can so easily weigh us down and distract us we need you 
We need you to be in the midst of everything that we do. We want to be a community of one that we all seek to glorify you, that we all seek to lift you up, that we all seek to love you and to love each other. Help us, God. Remove every obstacle and every distraction. God, and I, I thank you right now for your love and your goodness. I'm, I'm so grateful today for the parable of the one. That even though there are 99, you come after that one. And there's somebody in this place, God, that you're coming after. There's somebody in this place that are opening the, themselves to the idea and the reality, should I say, that you love them and you sent your only begotten son for them. That no sin is too great, that no habit is too strong. God, that there is nothing right now. God, for everyone that is making that commitment with every head bowed and every eye closed, and you say, today I want to make a first-time decision to follow Jesus. I'm tired of living life my way. I'm tired of just carrying this burden, of carrying this weight. I'm tired of trying to do this on my own. I need him to be Lord of my life. If that is you today, as every head is bowed and as every eye is closed, I just invite you in the privacy of your own heart to make, if you've made that decision, raise your hand right where you're at. We want to pray with you and for you. We want to pray with you and we want to pray for you. Here at Impact City Church, we believe in community and we don't believe that anyone should do life alone. So we pray together. And I'm gonna invite everyone at the sound of my voice to pray with me. The short and simple prayer, but the prayer that has the power to change our lives and change our destinies. Pray with me, dear Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for loving me when I was unlovable. I receive you. Come into my heart. Be Lord of my life. Let me live the life you died to give me. In Jesus' name, amen. Could we clap our hands for everybody that received him today? I'm gonna invite you to stand. I'm gonna invite you to stand. As we get ready to wrap up our service this morning and we have a moment of worship I'm gonna invite our prayer partners to come up to the front if there is something that you are going through if there is something that is happening on the inside or on the outside if there is something that is happening that is very public or if there's something that is happening in your life that is very private whatever that may be or somewhere in the middle we want you to know that we love you and that we're here for you, and that we care for you, and that you don't have to pray for what you're praying for on your own, that you don't have to walk through what you're walking through on your own, but that we're here for you. Not only does God love you, not only does God see you, but we want you to know that we are here for you, to pray alongside you, to stand in agreement with you, and to believe God's very best and brightest over your life. So as we worship, if that is you, I'm gonna invite you to come, and if that is not you, I'm gonna invite you to worship where you're at. This is a time for everyone and anyone. Let's take advantage and let's seize this opportunity. Let's take advantage of this moment right now. Father, once again, we come before you and we thank you for your goodness. Father, once again, we thank you for your grace and for your love, for your mercy, for your power. 
God, we thank you for the blessing that only comes from you. We thank you for the security that only comes from you, God. We thank you today, God, that there is nothing that is impossible for you, that there is nothing too difficult for you. We thank you that you can work in any heart, in any mind, in any situation. We thank you that you can work in any problem and in any dilemma, in any challenge. God, right now I ask that you would show yourself strong in every heart and in every mind, God. We come against every obstacle. We come against every barrier. We come against every stumbling block right now in the name of Jesus. We declare healing in this place. We declare provision in this place. We declare your blessing in this place. We declare your power in this place. We declare your goodness in this place. We declare your joy in this place. In the name of Jesus, right now, would you receive what God has for you? Would you receive what he has for you right now in the name of Jesus? In the name of Spirit of the living God, touch every heart and every mind. Right now, we love you today. In Jesus' name.